Welcome to the V-Pod. Today, we embark on the concluding chapter of the Praveen Verghese story as narrated by his mother, Lovely. If you're just joining us, catch up on the first two episodes to fully grasp the unfolding narrative. Lovely and her family attend a vigil organized by Praveen's friends, marking a significant turning point. As Lovely takes us through this emotional journey, we unravel the last chapter of Praveen's mysterious disappearance. Join us as we explore the impact of the pivotal night and the revelations that followed. The pieces are falling into place and the conclusion of this haunting tale awaits. During this vigil, we heard some rumors, you know, that police got a uh, lead, but we had no idea. No, the police wasn't telling us anything. Um, you know, we we had no idea. You know, and Ashley and Priya and they all were saying uh, people are saying there's a lead, but nobody knew what the lead was. Right. Yeah. But so then, uh, this uh, this professor took us into the house that the party was after the vigil. And we went there, and all those people who lived there was in that house. And and this uh, Patma introduced us to them, and they're like, "Oh, we are so sorry." And and I said, um, "Was there a fight here?" On February thirteenth, two thousand fourteen, at twelve seventeen a.m., Praveen Verghese, from his account at the only Praveen, sent out a tweet that said, "Bloody knuckles." Guess I was in a fight. Hashtag back down. And the owner of that house said, oh my God, that is the craziest thing. There was no fight here. Come on, let me show you. So he took us into the kitchen and he's like, you see this window? This window is broken. So we always prop it up with uh, something. So that day we had a beer can. Praveen pulled it and the window fell on his hand and it just cut his hand that's all so then you know we heard from his friend Rachel that he rubbed that blood on her face and then you know Praveen the typical Praveen like I I used to tell uh, Robinson I said if Praveen sees an ant he would say I saw an elephant he exaggerates things like crazy so you know everything happened that night that was like unusual you know, like he didn't know he was going to die that night, you know. So that was a consolation for me to hear that from that guy that Praveen was not in a fight. So we came back and then Tuesday morning. So the lead that we were hearing about was, you know, now we know we had no idea about all this at that time. Sunday evening when this news aired, Gage Bethune, Jonathan Stanley is Gage's cousin, mm-hmm. who was at the party with him. See, they were at a different party at 405 West College. Praveen was at 606. They were at 405. Right. So um, they, they were watching the news and this news came on. And then Gage told Jonathan, that's a guy that I had a fight with. Mm. So... Now we hear that Gage went out and threw up, you know, finding out that Praveen has been missing all these days. Then they, the police had offered, Crime Stoppers had offered 
a thousand dollar scholarship and we had offered 15,000. So this was a $16,000 reward. So Jonathan finding out this thing, he went to the phone and called Carbondale police, Crime Stoppers. And he told on his cousin. Yes, you heard it correctly. Jonathan, Gage Badoon's cousin, provided crucial information leading to the discovery of Praveen's fate, motivated by the reward money of $16,000. Yeah. So then he went to the police station. The police asked him to come in. He went to the police station and gave his info. He's the one who told about the state trooper. Hold on a moment. A state trooper was involved? Lovely wasn't even aware of the state trooper's role until now. To this day, the police never told us about the state trooper. I mean, now it's all like, you know, because it was never in their uh, conversation with us. Could this piece of information have potentially aided the investigation earlier on? Oh, definitely, definitely. But at that point, until Jonathan told them about the state trooper, the police did not even know. Believe it or not, Lovely was unaware of the state trooper. And surprisingly, the police had no clue about the involvement of the state trooper. It's quite alarming. Now we uncover that the state trooper played a pivotal role in guiding the police to the location of the altercation, ultimately leading them to Praveen Verghese's body. Surprisingly, it was the state trooper, not Bethune, who showed the police the precise site of Praveen's final moments. No, until until Jonathan told them. Why didn't the state so, report this? I mean, I, that, that is a that's a good question. He he made the report um, ten days after this incident. So there there was uh, it, this is all. When you think about it, it's such such a travesty, you know, like ridiculous things. And um, so he told them, and then they went to check on the state troopers report, but there wasn't any. And um, but there was a call in, you know, he had, you know, every time they make a traffic stop, they make they, they call in. So they found that and then they found out who this state trooper was. They went and found he was on vacation or something after this incident happened i think he had a death in the family or something he was so he was out so they went and got the state trooper and the state trooper is the one who showed where gage bethune's car had stopped but then the the police the police never told us about the state trooper so they they wanted to make their story straight after praveen was found they they said gage told them where he had stopped. No, Gage did not. Gage did not come out with that information. It was a state trooper who showed them. So they knew by Monday night where exactly Gage's truck had stopped. It is now the morning of February 18th. Lovely and her family find themselves at their hotel anxiously waiting for any news. Alongside them, is the dean of Southern Illinois University. Tuesday, they, the dean of the college 
comes into a hotel room in the morning and she said the police got a tip they are following up on it so if you hear a helicopter or something don't be alarmed you know so she sat there she wasn't leaving and i thought so you know we we were having continuous prayers in the room and this lady sitting there we didn't have any kind of privacy Right. but then she was like oh tell me more about praveen you know she was just making conversations and so after an hour or something like that she gets a phone call and she's like um, i'll be right back she went down came back with the deputy chief i saw them at the end of the hallway i knew this is in good news right right um, so he comes and um, he he just stood and i said uh, did you find praveen and he said yes wow and yeah, and i thought when you heard that and uh, and i said is he alive that was my second question and he shook his head and he said unfortunately no it's at this moment that lovely receives the heartbreaking confirmation of praveen vergis's fate it's a tragic moment signifying the closure of the arduous search I everyone the the next thing I still remember is all the screaming from cuz everybody was around us you know when they saw the police so this news comes out and only screaming only screaming and my god the moment when family and friends realized that Praveen had been found was heartbreaking. The reactions of friends and family were filled with sorrow and anguish. So part of me was like we found Praveen. You know, part of me was still trying to process even though I knew that there wasn't anything. Oh, I have to tell you another thing about this. Monday when we met with the before we went to the police a uh, monday morning i had this dream you know like i told you i to, i used to tell my sister what if somebody took him through this way i had this dream like a car is passing by and praveen is in the passenger seat somebody is pushing him out he is rolling on the slope and he is at the uh, on the bottom of the slope he's lying on his side with one his right arm stretched out and he has his phone in his hand and that's how praveen always sleeps you know with his phone in his hand and i and i woke up and i even told that to the police that morning and i said this is a dream i had i don't know what you take as an intuition of a mom but in indian culture if you have a dream an early morning dream it is something that's going to come true you know so i mean i don't think they they believed or anything but now it was the, the truth in our malayali culture and within our christian faith dreams hold a pivotal role often foretelling past or future events Lovely's experiences were deeply influenced by the significance that dreams hold for Malayalis, adding a unique dimension to the narrative. After conversing with Lovely and comprehending the story from start to finish, it appears as if God was guiding her every step of the way 
since the onset of Praveen's disappearance. From the moment she felt unwell to choosing a hotel just a few feet away from where Praveen's body would be discovered to having a dream that unveiled the truth about her son's fate, it all seems like a spiritual intervention. Yes, yes, definitely, definitely. Throughout, I was guided, you know, I, I was given that those feelings, you know. I think the good Lord probably was preparing me for this big fight, you know. So this was, this was real. So he, so then I said, what happened? So they had this story already made up, you know, Praveen went to a party he probably he was drunk that was the, they were sure of that they're like Praveen was drunk possibly on drugs and he got a ride with a with somebody from the party they had an argument they had a fight Praveen ran into the uh, woods and um, died of hypothermia while the story seems believable it raises the question did Lovely truly buy into the version of the events she was being told? At that time, I guess, you know, I had to believe everything they were saying, you know. And then my brother-in-law said, where did you find him? And and the, the police took my brother-in-law all the way at the end of the, uh, on the other side of the hall and said, if you look straight, um, that's where we found him. So every every morning and evening throughout the day we were looking into the woods praying and Praveen was there coming from the Malayali community this is not something typical what was the reaction from the Malayali community I think everybody was shocked you know everyone felt like this was their their kid because in, we are typical uh, middle class Malayali family, you know, who raise our kids in church, in the community, you know, our kids were in every single Malayali program. Uh, we were very active in um, the uh, church. Uh, and then my husband was a respiratory, he's a respiratory therapist. So their association, nurses association, they were in every program. So everybody knew us as a normal, you know, we we are very close knit family, so everyone felt like it's one of their own. As Malayali parents, we send our kids to colleges and universities, often unaware of what truly transpires in their lives. So when the police claim that your son was drunk and on drugs, it must have sent shockwaves through Praveen's parents. This can't be easy to accept. I was shocked and I, I was like, is there so many things that I didn't know about my kid? You know, I tell you another example why I was thinking that because, um, um, you know, Praveen had a tattoo. I did not know about it. Mm. And, um, you know, his sister knew, all his friends knew, all his cousins knew. See, if Praveen wanted something, he would always give us a clue, you know. So he used to ask me all the time, can I get an earring? I'm like, no, you cannot get an earring. That's not something, you know, kids from Malayali families do it, you know. Guess what? He, the first thing he did was when he went to college, he came home with a, an earring. 
<laughs> and uh, I lost it. And then my husband was okay with it. You know, he started laughing and all that. And I said, no, you don't do this. Um, and I and I said, uh, um, no, you don't do that. So the next time he came back, he had the other ear pierced too. And then my husband got mad and he's like, no. For one, I said, okay, but no more. So he kept it for a few months and then he took it out. You know, he got a, like a pimple kind of thing on the ear. And I said, this is what you get for doing things that you're not supposed to do. Yeah, so, so he took it off and that was the end of it. He had that infatuation for a few months and that was done. So then he used to tell me when he was in high school, he's like, how about if I get a tattoo that says, love you, mom? And I said, no you are not getting a tattoo. Tattoo was something that I was like so scared of, you know. But then I had no idea he went and got this. So the first time I'm hearing and seeing that is from the flyer. So oh, the flyer wow. was, in, yes. So the day they put the flyer out. It was in the hotel room on the table. I take and I read this at the end. It says, uh, has a tattoo on the chest that says fear God and I'm like oh my God so you can imagine my my mind you know that I'm hearing all these things drinking this a party tattoo all those things you know and so then I started part of me started to believe this police officers you know and, and I'm like uh, you know I <laughs> Uh, what what else did he do? Yeah, because you're starting to question yourself because yes, you, yes, you feel yes. like you really don't know your son at this point. Yes, yes. So that was uh, that was one thing. But then you know, like I think all those changed after I started to, I after I saw him. So at what point did you say something is wrong? This is not what it seems to be. At what point did you say, let's stop this? There's something that's that went away. Or went okay. Away. So, you know, the, the, the deputy came and told us this and he left. And then um, after an hour, they all came back. The deputy chief, the detectives, the police chaplain and uh, the, the coroner. Um, and uh, I think there were a few more police officers. They all came in. And they said, um, you know, they came and offered their apologies. And then they said, um, we have to start the process. And now um, it's, it's the, it's the, uh, um, uh, the, what is his name? Kufer. Kufer is the coroner. Mm -hmm. He's the one that is uh, doing all these conversations, you know? So, um, and then he's, so Immediately, my daughter asked, when can we see him? And, and his immediate response was like, oh, no, you cannot see him. The, um, uh, the funeral home of your choice um, will bring him to Chicago and then you can see him. That came to me as a shock. You know, mm -hmm. I think that was um, my immediate uh, um it's like a red flag for you. Yes, yes. Because, you know, we all are in medical field, right? And you don't just uh, uh, 
confirm this is somebody's body without a family member identifying them exactly yeah so they they were I, deliberately not trying to show you the body because oh yes definitely they knew that if you saw the body you were going to yes 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 and uh, so that moment just and i said what are you saying then how do you know it's praveen and then one of the detectives said oh we found an id um you know he matched our description i said no you know it could be somebody else i said i don't want to go to chicago and open the casket and see somebody else in that and i said you are not touching my son unless we come and say this is our son so that from that moment i think i immediately went on the defense right. you know immediately and i i and i i started to scream and i said no and then um that um corner got so mad he left the room hmm. and uh why does your parent you are the parent yeah 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 by the body yeah so then you know for, there were many of our church members there and one guy asked him why are you saying that because one of his relatives died in um, Texas in a car crash and um, the body was so decomposed but they had to go and identify that yeah. person you know so then the, these people were like so mad they all went out and the police chaplain came in and he was like holding my hand and he's like oh lovely um you know i'm so sorry and you know let them do the process and all that and then even my husband was holding on to me and he's like don't say anything don't say i think he was also kind of scared you know like if what if they they don't show us at all you know so then i told the police chief i said my english is broken my accent is bad but i'm going to talk yeah so then after a while they all came in and they're like oh i think we can work out something just you and your husband can come in and then my daughters they they wanted to you know they were started crying and they wanted to see him so then they said only four of you so uh, then they gave us a time and then this guy says um you know we have to do the process and i said uh, what process and he's like the autopsy and i said so when are you going to do it and it's like i don't know uh, i don't know we don't have a pathologist in this county and i said so how long it will take and he goes maybe few days a week we have no idea wow. i said what are you saying i said where where is this guy coming from and he's like indiana and i said okay indiana is not the other end of the world i said we will pay the airfare bring that guy over here and get this whatever you have to do i want to take my son from this place as fast as i can mm-hmm. you know i i'm not leaving him here i said so then they left so then we went to the hospital and we were sitting in the chapel the chapel was filled with our people you know our priest we all were there and then this corner comes in and he's like oh you all want to see him come on in everybody you know what happened to all those the other other thing before mm. so we went in they had him uh, propped up in the gi lab on a stretcher i think they made the mistake of taking us through the right side because that's where his injuries were 
so if we went through the left side i never would have seen that so they had covered him up to the up to the neck okay and uh, that's when immediately as i walked in i saw the bruise and i it came out from my mouth even without me realizing it i was saying it so loud i said who beat my kid mm. you know so then my brother in law asked the detective what is on his face and they said he he was found face down it's frostbite in reality he was found on his back wow. you know well, there were, there, yeah. were, there were some <laughs> uh misrepresentations maybe uh-huh. playing going on uh throughout yes. the whole process do you yes. think trying to hide the fact or what was the whole point of all these uh, these statements i think they you know like siu is the main income for them they didn't want any uh, damage to the college name and plus they probably thought if you shame the family this is an indian family you know they probably knew our culture a little bit mm-hmm. you know if they shame us we would go away and also i don't think they realized that we would fight back like this mm-hmm. you know they probably thought this is just a family that's six hours away once we just kind of give them a you know the less least information we can they probably will just go away and shut up right yeah, i think that i i think that's what it was in the beginning who knew who knows what their intention was but uh i this is my assumption the challenge within the malayali community is often the fear of speaking up hesitant to question authority or the police feeling that doing so might put individuals in danger however in this situation lovely displayed immense courage a mother on a mission to seek the truth without her bravery this case might have been swept under the rug leaving us in the dark about what truly happened to praveen i i think you know like to me if i did not speak who would speak on my son's behalf right you know and uh, even like i said a lot of things i was never the strong i was always my husband's shadow like a typical malayali woman you know but then from this incident i have no idea where i got the strength from you know I, this is not me if you knew me before it's not me So you know I had no knowledge of legal system I had nothing but I I wanted to find what happened to my son and I wanted to prove he did not cause his death you know so I think it it became my responsibility as a mother and I am like if I don't do this for my kid who else is going to do this right and also um it was really guided from above and i believe praveen guided me throughout you yeah. know even even during the funeral um i went to him so many times i asked him did you do this did you do this because at that time the only information we had was what the police told us you know yeah. um and then i had this thing after we saw him in the funeral home here the funeral home director told us you need to see your kid lovely you are a nurse you he has injuries this is not a frostbitten body 
So when we saw him with all the injuries, I'm like, there, you know, I I have to speak. Um, so, you know, like my like I said, my youngest one is eight years younger than Praveen, and you know, he used to pester her all the time, and they fight and scream and cry, and Praveen gets all the blame. And when they make reconcile, you know. she would say oh chat i didn't do anything and then as soon as he hears that he will come down and ask me why do you be- why don't you believe me mommy why do you have to believe her why don't you believe me so i you know during the church service i went to him so many times and i talked to him and i'm like did you do this did you do this the only answer i was getting in my ear was why don't you believe me mommy hmm. Yeah. You know? I'm telling you. Yeah. So I believed him and I oh. I let I let God guide me. At some point, Lovely managed to piece together the entire picture of what happened to Praveen that night, gaining a comprehensive understanding of the events that led to her son's tragic fate. Part of it we found out from Monica, you know, like she came into the picture um immediately you know like she was also a god given person she got interested and then uh, she's the one who told us about the state trooper i found out gage's name through her the police did not give us a name or anything um they sent us a letter asking for the reward money but we didn't give it because there was a court on the thing saying for um um to find praveen alive or uh prosecution of whoever caused this so that did not happen so we did not give our the money but we le- received an official letter from the carbondale police asking for the reward money for jonathan stanley okay so they wanted so, the reward money yeah they wanted the reward money but we didn't give it they he he got the crime stoppers money originally the state attorney claimed there wasn't enough probable cause to file charges against patyun however the dynamics shifted when a special prosecutor stepped in to try the case yeah originally the state's attorney uh, said there is no um, co- probable cause so he uh, completely let it go you know he did not do anything so then the community went crazy so it, it you know it went to the special prosecutor so the special prosecutor is the one who got the grand jury and um, Uh, arrested him and then his dad paid $100,000 cash got him out then the case went to trial uh, four years four and a half years later so oh, the, four and a half years for the case to even yes 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 uh, so then he took the stand and the prosecutor grilled him and he he admitted on the witness stand that he he did not know Praveen he hit praveen and he even showed where he hit him mm-hmm. um to me the guilty verdict him admitting that he hit praveen meant more than the guilty verdict because you know i wanted to prove that somebody hurt my baby right. you know so then he was found guilty he was in jail for 3 months but then the judge let him go on a word of for on the indictment which had nothing to do with the trial the word was knowingly he saying that word came after a comma 
that probably confused the jury. That was the judge's, um, you know, like I have no idea where he came up with that. And then a couple months after he made that decision, he retired wow. uh, and he, he let Gage out. So the case is still open. Gage is walking free. Uh, the 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 case uh, is in Illinois Supreme Court, but we don't know when it's going to uh, if if they are going to hear it or when they are going to hear it. Um, well, now, when you say the case is open, what does that mean exactly? The investigation goes on. Gage is the only suspect in the case. Okay. So, uh, he so- could be charged today, tomorrow, twenty years from now. There is a sword hanging. On, on on his head you know he can be charged anytime jackson circuit court judge mark clark overturned bethune's murder conviction the reason why the case was overturned is because of potential confusion among jurors due to a wording in the indictment bethune had hired a new attorney and the new attorney raised questions about the trial proceedings and the evidence presented by the prosecutors in June of 2018, a jury had convicted Bethune of first-degree murder in connection to the death of 19-year-old Praveen Verghese. The technicality had nothing to do with the trial. That is something the the judge generated. The see the the thing is um, that that word was in the indictment. The indictment is like the charge sheet which was read in the court by the same judge so many times and said this is not a tool for you to make a decision this is just the prosecutors are saying they are going to prove you don't make any decision based on this indictment you make a decision based on the evidence as presented in the court and then the same judge is saying there there is a uh, there's a fault in you know like that was so weird when he said that see he came prepared everything was written down you know it was not something that happened it was on the day of sentencing he only had to say how many years he was facing it was between 20 to 60 years only thing he had to do was how many years that's all now was he charged with first degree murder yes first degree um, aggravated battery and attempted robbery okay so you're a nurse um and what is your take on it because so they got into a fight you know he rolled down Praveen Mm -hmm. ran away and then he was found in the woods uh you know Mm -hmm. days later do you think that the punch or was the direct reason why Praveen was killed do you think yes Yes. I mean, the defense is saying that it was hypothermia and Mm. that's the reason he died as a nurse from the medical. Yeah, Yeah. as a nurse, I mean, hypothermia uh, is the secondary reason why it happened, you know, why Praveen died. But what caused the hypothermia is the hit. You know, he was hit and he was knocked out unconscious. And Praveen did not come out of it. If if Praveen had an inch of consciousness in him, mm-hmm. he would have dragged himself out of there and he would have come up with the craziest story that you ever want to hear, <laughs> you know? So he, he had the stamina if he was conscious. 
you know he was very well built he could have come out of it but the the hit knocked him out he did not come out of it and that caused the hypothermia crucial question now arises will there be another trial to me you know even when they said the judge said second uh, trial uh, we told the prosecutors came here they came to our house and we told them we don't want another trial because sitting through the trial having the defense attack proven all this time again over and over it's not a pleasant feeling right. and what is it what is it going to give us you know putting gage in jail for um i don't care whether he's there one day or 60 years you know I, it doesn't matter to me it's not going to bring my son back mm-hmm. um i wanted to prove provin did not cause his death somebody else did it and i wanted the law he wa- i wanted him to face the law and whatever happened after the trial i blame our justice system for that you know i did whatever i could so to me finding out what happened to pravin and holding that person responsible was my ultimate aim and that happened the reward money you know we started a scholarship in pravin's name um for criminal justice students so that's where the money went um we give a thousand dollar scholarship every year on province memorial we go to the location the police officers they all come with us including the current police chief right. so we go to the site and then we go back to siu and have a function so from next year we just actually this is i'm telling you for the the first time this so the the scholarship is going to go to an SIU student their criminal justice program so until last year we were picking some students locally you know monica was doing that right. but from next year onwards it is province name will be in the criminal justice uh, program in SIU so that's right. where the scholarship is going to go and they actually gave him the um, degree this year too you know oh, he, so he got an yeah. honorary degree yeah, honorary degree here yeah. what does life look after this whole ordeal can it return to normal and what does the future hold yes yes yeah um see we were thinking about selling this house before all this you know cuz it, it we don't need <laughs> this house and it was just my husband and me and the younger one priya was already in college and you know so we were thinking of selling but now after all this happened i said no never as i see him everywhere i cannot live in a place where i can't feel him you know his room is kept just like he left um all his the, the even the shirt that he wore that sunday to church it's just like it is I we never removed anything from there we keep adding stuff cuz people you know like bring things for him yeah so we it's like a, a memorial room for him there and I sit and pray in that room every night before I go to bed I sit there and I pray and so that's how I live my faith keeps me going and I go see Praveen every day you know he's only like 4 miles from our home 
So I go there every day. And I, I feel like he's here. We include him in everything. Yeah. He's never forgotten. He, even, even the family functions. He's always here. His cousins got married. They had him as his best man. They, even when his friend Kyle got married, they, he had a, a table and chair for, for him, you know, with his name and picture there. So it's like we, we remember him in everything. We celebrate his birthday. Uh, so we, we feel we live like he is still here. And I always say every time I take a breath, I take another one for him. Wow. So I mean, when you look back at all this, is there, as a parent, do you think there's something that you could have done to prevent this? Is there anything that you would have done differently? I don't know. You know, that is a question that I ask because we all, when you lose a child, you, you live with the feeling of what if. You know, I, I go through that too, all the time. But what can I, what I could have done differently? I, I don't know. I have no idea. I mean, you cannot just keep them tied up to you 24 seven. You know, they have to live in a society also. They, they have to be responsible adults. And to me, they, he was just a normal college kid. He did not do anything you know that everybody was saying so i i don't think i could have done anything differently to stop it because you know to me i feel like i mean i told somebody um, i think one other podcast or something i said my brown kid had to be in carbondale to make a change you right. know because the the state's attorney who was there for many years is voted out and a brown man is in power now. After enduring such a harrowing experience and fighting for her son's justice, I asked Lovely for advice. What guidance does she have for anyone who might unfortunately find themselves going through a similar situation? How can they approach and navigate such a challenging ordeal? <laughs> I am not so good in giving advice, but I can tell you... Um, what I did, I mean, go with your own intuitions, you know, just uh, don't listen to people that saying, you know, like there are so many people that will come to you, do this, do that, you know, don't do this, but just listen to your own intuitions and that will be the best advice I can give. And don't be afraid to ask questions don't be afraid to question the authority don't don't underestimate yourself you have the power and like i said don't listen to people who try to put you down and just surround yourself with people that gives you positive energy you know don't and uh, and what i did was all the decision making was kept into a very small circle you know between me my husband my my youngest was too small at that time but my older daughter and monica so we kept it very small we did not tell so many people you know like and then that's when 
everybody tries to pull you, push you and all that. So we kept all the decision making to a very small circle and believe in God and trust in God to guide you. And uh, yeah. you know, last question we have is just uh, what do you, advice do you have to parents who are sending their kids away? I mean, this is something that you never would ever imagine. And especially in the Malayali community, something yep. like that. You know, you got young parents who are sending, or you have parents who are sending kids away to college, uh, away from their homes. What advice can you give them? Should they check on their children? Should they find out exactly what's going on, who their friends are? Give us some <laughs> advice for those parents. I, you know, that is too, too hard. I mean, you have to let them see... Some, I was such a protective mother. I used to check their phone calls. I, I used to track them. I used to uh, check all their text messages. But once I started college, my husband is like, you know, don't do this. You know, <laughs> you can't do this. It's like you cannot check on them. Because I used to go online and read their messages. And and, she, and then he said like, you they are adults you cannot do this so i stopped doing that you know once they started college the only thing we can do is tell them the dangers you know don't go anywhere by themselves or don't go alone always tell somebody where they are going keep in touch check on each other you know if you think your friend is getting into some trouble you know, try to advise them or tell them uh, not to do it. And I know it is hard to tell the parents, but at some point, maybe it is a good idea. You know, it, it, we, I, I don't know what else we could have done. You know, we were very, very open with our kids. So Praveen not telling me that he did not get a tattoo. All The whole world knew except me and my husband. You know, so that uh, that is the thing. It is like you just have to be open with them, just pray and you know, like give them the advice. Yeah, and now everybody uses Praveen as an example. And I sometimes I'm like, no, that Praveen did not do anything that no other kid did not do. Right. You know, it's like college students. Yeah. So they're college students. And you know, I hear people ask, Oh, do you want something like what happened to Praveen? You know, like that sometimes hurts me. You know, it's not like uh Praveen did something so bad that nobody did. You know, my my well, nephews <laughs> my nephews used to come and tell me, Andy, we all did this, but we all came home. Right, right. You know. Uh, so, you know, Praveen going out to party, maybe having a beer, that, you know, it was another night for him. He did not think that was going to happen. So I'm not advising everybody to go out at night and do things like this. No, but, you know, like Praveen should not be an example that, you know, people use it for the wrong reasons. That's what I'm trying to say. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Right, this well, happens to so many kids, and uh, you know, Praveen happened to be one of them. But you know, it it came out this way. But many, for many, it just died and buried with them. And with that, we conclude our interview with Lovely. We are immensely grateful for her willingness to share her story, hoping 
that this conversation can inspire and motivate others who may find themselves facing challenging circumstances. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much. I mean, you've been with us from the beginning, I think. Yes, but, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thank you. Thanks again. After this profound conversation with Lovely about the loss of her son, it brings me back to what I mentioned at the beginning of this podcast. In life, we have choices, and those choices lead us down different paths, shaping various segments of our lives. A simple decision can alter our entire existence forever. Lovely's story imparts several lessons. We witness the strength and unity of the Malayali community, the resilience and endurance of a mother who's willing to fight tirelessly, and how faith and belief in God played a crucial role in guiding Lovely through this process aiding her in coping with the tragedy. One positive outcome is that Praveen's scholarship has benefited several individuals. The first recipient is now working as a sheriff, and two others have become correctional officers. Remarkably, the first sheriff is a Malayali from Chicago. Lovely wanted me to convey to the listeners that they are delighted to see these individuals advance in their careers with the assistance of Praveen's scholarship. If you're interested in learning more about Praveen, the case, the upcoming scholarships, and stay updated, you can visit facebook.com slash justice for Praveen. That's J-U-S-T-I-C-E-F-O-R-P-R-A-V-I-N. Facebook.com slash justice for Praveen. We hope you enjoyed this series. If you have any stories that you would like to share and be heard, please reach out to us at info at vinujosephfilms.com. That's I-N-F-O at V-I-N-U-J-O-S-E-P-H-F-I-L-M-S dot com. To make a change, and I believe we all come to this world with a purpose. God sends us with a purpose. And, and I totally believe this was Praveen's destiny and he was sent with a mission and a purpose and we are here to fulfill that mission. So until I take my last breath, I will do whatever I can to fulfill that.